millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey guys, Ryan here. The 31st Annual International UFO Congress is right around the corner. October 12th through the 16th in Phoenix, Arizona. This is the largest UFO conference in the world, with speakers from across the globe, speaking on UFOs, the paranormal, and so much more. Some of the speakers this year include Brian Bender, Ben Hansen, Micah Hanks, David Marler, Katie Page, Travis Walton, Bryce Sable, Lynn Katai, and so many more. This year's Congress is in-person and also virtual, so you can enjoy either with an exclusive discount code just for Summer in the Skies listeners. Go to ufocongress.com and use the coupon code SOMEWHEREskies for 20% off your ticket order. Again, that's ufocongress.com and use the coupon code SOMEWHEREskies. That's the International UFO Congress, October 12th through the 16th. I hope to see you there. And remember, keep looking up. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. At around 6.30 a.m. on November 1st, 1954, 40-year-old Rosa Lottie, described in reports as a peasant woman and mother of four children, was on her way from the farm where she lived to the cemetery and church, a journey she had purposefully gotten up early to make. It was a rare journey into the town for Rosa. Even so, she knew the footpaths well, as she made her way along them, wearing one of her best dresses and carrying her shoes and stockings to avoid them becoming dirtied, along with a bunch of flowers. It was as she came to a clearing along the path that she suddenly stopped in shock. There, in front of her, was a strange, bizarre object. In a report, Rosa would describe the object. It appeared like a huge spindle fixed vertically to the ground. It resembled a sort of double cone or like two bells joined together at their bases. It also appeared to be covered with a leather of some sort. It was about seven feet high and between three and four feet wide. The outside of it shone as though it was of a very polished light metal, and on the lower side was an open glass door. Even more amazing is when Rosa peered inside the object and noticed two small seats like those used by children. It was as she was examining the strange object that two strange figures appeared 
from the sight of the object. They were almost like men, but the size of children. They appeared friendly from the look on their faces as they headed toward me. I, I would estimate they were around three feet in height. They wore one-piece gray overalls that even covered their feet. Each of them also wore something similar to a, a doublet, but with several items that appeared like shining stars on them. They also had small gray cloak-like items on their backs. Both had on a helmet of sorts, and although obscured, their faces were visible and looked very much like you or me. Their upper lips had a slight curl to them, which left their front teeth exposed. Their teeth appeared to have been filed down. It also appeared as though their ears were beneath leather discs that each wore. As the figures approached, Rosa felt no sense of being in danger. In fact, from the way they acted, she believed they were trying to appear as friendly as possible. They spoke in a language unknown to Rosa, although she recalled it sounded similar to her, at least, like Chinese. Suddenly, despite their apparent attempts to appear friendly, Rosa had a sudden surge of fear run through her. This feeling increased significantly when one of them grabbed a bunch of flowers and one of her stockings from her hand. Despite the fear, she began reaching for her possessions in protest. Then, one of the figures picked out several of the flowers and then passed the rest back to her. She stated the following about what happened next. The figure stood and examined the flowers closely for several minutes before wrapping the stocking around them and placing them inside the craft. After doing this, the strange beings reached inside the object and each took out a white circular package and began to turn back toward me. But at this point, I was too scared. I ran away as fast as I could to escape. And when I looked back, the craft and the two figures had completely vanished. Rosa continued running until she reached the town she had set out for earlier that morning. By the time she arrived, she was gasping for breath, a little disheveled, and was clearly shaken and scared. She had passed a local man who she knew by the name of Beppe Gostinelli, who was hunting in the woodland. But she was so distraught, she had not mentioned anything to him. It was only when a friend... Anita Valenti noticed how disturbed she looked, and Rosa eventually told her what happened. Rosa would eventually report what she had seen to the local police officers as well, and the priest of the church and cemetery she had been intending on visiting. Several others also heard her tell the tale. In fact, many of those who heard the account from Rosa immediately set out along the footpath that led into the town in an attempt to find the location of the event. And while the object and beings were no longer there, they did find clear evidence that something strange had taken place. According to an investigation cited in the Flying Saucer Review, there was a, quote, great hole in the ground in the same location as Rosa said the object had stood. This was also confirmed by the local police officers. However, by this time, the sheer number of townsfolk who had walked through and over the area, out of curiosity, made it impossible for any kind of mold to be taken. And with that, this case became perhaps one of the more credible on record 
despite its bizarre nature. As UFO investigators continued to research and investigate the case over the years that followed, further corroborating witnesses were found. For example, on the same morning and around the same time as the incident began to unfold, 25-year-old Romaldo Berti, a stonemason, claimed to have seen a luminous rocket that was like a cigar and had flames coming out of the tail. This rocket rose out of the Sanina woods. He claimed it went straight up at first before leveling off a little and heading toward the horizon. The object had a bluish tint to it, and he recalled that it appeared to be completely silent. Another witness who chose to remain anonymous saw the object shortly before while hunting in the woods. Only this witness saw it land in the clearing where Rosa would encounter the beings a short time later. Another witness was Andrea Levy, who was driving his flower van along the road between Levon and Boussine around the same time when he saw a great reddish cone-shaped thing moving from the sky. One Luigi Dini also claimed that he and his daughter witnessed another strange thing from their terrace of their home. He claimed that the object appeared like a meteor at first as it descended, but it then began to slow down purposefully the closer to the ground it got. It eventually disappeared from sight. Two further witnesses were discovered the following year during a subsequent investigation into the incident. They were brothers, aged six and nine, at the time of the incident. And according to a piece of writing the younger boy, Ampolino Torzini, had done in school, these brothers had actually witnessed the encounter of Rosalotti. Ampolino claimed that they had been out early that morning in order to attend their family's pigs. As they were doing so, they witnessed Rosa, who was chatting with the men. Ampolino also recalled seeing the object, which he at first thought was a large animal. While he was curious at the sight, the older boy ran back to tell their father. By the time they had arrived back at the scene, however, the craft, Rosa, and the strange little men were gone, and all that was left was the hole in the ground where the object had allegedly stood. According to another report, it also appears that the same object might have returned to the location at just before midnight on the same day. And what's more, there were multiple witnesses to this incident. According to the report in Flying Saucer Review, two farmers, Giuliano and Tosca Cocelli, were awakened on the night in question to shouts coming from outside of their home. When they went to investigate, they could see a man on a stopped motorcycle looking up at an oval-shaped object. The pair had just caught sight of it before it vanished behind some nearby mountains. The motorcyclist, however, had gotten a much better and longer look at the object. He claimed that it appeared to have been at a low altitude, so low that the bluish-white light from it blinded him temporarily. It also appeared to move in a very purposeful, horizontal direction, 
and remained perfectly silent throughout. After several moments, the object had vanished from sight. They weren't sure, however, whether it had physically disappeared or if the lights had gone out, meaning they could no longer see it. There was also another witness to this sighting, but unfortunately, press reports at the time did not name them. But they were quoted as saying that the object resembles a flying spindle, which is remarkably similar to the description of the landed object given by Rosa Lottie. Multiple people would see the same object around the same time, from Sanina. All of the witnesses described the same basic object and was flying at a relatively low altitude. Some reports even state the object stopped and hovered for several moments, as if it was about to land. Perhaps one of the most intriguing accounts comes from Ottorino Santarelli, who witnessed the strange object after having spent the evening with two friends at a recreational club. It was as they were leaving the club that they noticed a strange blue-colored object overhead. Ottorino watched it for several moments until it stopped suddenly and hovered. Then it began to descend toward the ground before coming to a stop again near a nearby hill. The three men cautiously but quickly made their way toward the hill in order to get a better look. Before they could reach it, however, it began to rise into the air once more. It headed toward a nearby mountain before changing direction and heading out into the distance. As it moved, the light changed color from blue to red. The three men also recalled that the object remained completely silent throughout the sighting. While the Rosalotti case is obviously of great interest, there are several other sightings of strange objects over Italy around the same time, or even some on the very same day. UFO researcher Albert Rosales has an intriguing account in his research files that occurred on November 1st in Treviso. According to the account, a fisherman under the name F. Sinza was casting his nets from his fishing boat on the Deze River on what was a particularly foggy night. As he was doing so, he noticed a green glow coming from the fog. He at first believed another boat was approaching and began shouting in order to let his presence be known. However, when there was no reply, Sinza noticed that the light appeared to not be moving and was set in the same place. He made his way towards it and was shocked to see a mushroom-shaped object on the ground of the riverbank. More shocking, however, were the several strange figures that he could clearly see in the green glow that came from the landed craft. Sinza shouted out once more in an effort to communicate with them, but there was no reply. The next thing he realized, the object was shooting off into the sky, sending several silver beams of light out as it did so. It moved overhead in several directions, before finally disappearing into the distance. At around 6pm the following evening, this time in Cremona, two students, Pietro Alberini 
empirical Sachi had a particularly bizarre encounter while hunting. They claimed to have witnessed a dwarf-like creature that appeared to have some kind of breathing apparatus on its back. The two students initially approached the strange creature, which caused it to produce a bluish cloud that it wrapped itself in. Now spooked, the pair turned and ran. The following day, in Sardinia, a motorcyclist observed a bizarre disc-shaped object appear overhead before landing at the roadside. Given the speed he was going, he swerved his motorcycle, fearing he was going to collide with it. In doing so, however, he came off the bike and skidded to the ground, around 150 feet away from the object. He noticed a taxi pull up a little further down the road, the driver clearly aware of the strange craft at the side of the road. The witnesses would later recall that they could also hear a soft whirling sound that appeared to come from the object. It appeared to be made from shiny, silvery metal and was approximately 50 feet across. After watching it for several moments, the object rose into the air and took off into the sky. Hey guys, Ryan here. The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is a labor of love every week. And with that comes many different costs to keep the show running. That's where our Patreon campaign comes in. You give what you think the show is worth. There's different rewards available all the time, including shoutouts on the show, early editions of main episodes, bonus episodes and content, and very soon, monthly patron hangouts, where we sit back and chat all things UFOs. So I hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon subscriber today. To learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash skies. Thank you for your support, and keep looking up. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. At around 10.30 a.m. the next day in Monza, a truly bizarre incident is documented in Jacques Vallée's book, Passport to Magonia. The incident began when an apparent UFO landed inside a local stadium. Barriers were erected, but over a hundred people were said to have made their way over them in order to see the alleged spaceship from another world. According to reports, the object sat on three legs and had a domed surface from which came an extremely bright white light. Even more intriguing, two small entities were seen near the ship, each wearing transparent helmets in some kind of white and gray suit. Some witnesses claimed to have heard the two figures speaking in guttural tones. After several moments of the crowd entering the stadium, the two figures re-entered the craft and took off into the air, vanishing moments later. According to the research files of Albert Rosales, on the evening of November 11th, a journalist named Tino and another man, Rafael, were walking along the street after having been to the cinema. As they walked, they noticed a strange blue-green light that seemed to come from inside a local football field. They made their way to the gate in order to investigate, and were shocked to see a triangular object resting on wheel-like floppy disks on each tip on the field. As the two men watched, a flashing silver light showed several figures engaged in various activities around the object. Uncertain what to do, they decided to run and get more witnesses. However, no sooner had they turned than the triangle began to take off into the air. It headed out toward the sea with increasing speed and disappeared out of sight. Two nights later, at around 11.30 p.m., on Catania, Sicily, four local men, Salvatore, Antonio, Gatano, and Cavaleo, reported yet another apparent near-landing incident. On the night in question, according to Rosales' report, the men were near the cemetery when a disc-shaped object descended in front of them, hovering around 150 feet from the ground. They would describe the object as being metallic and around 20 feet across. They also noticed there was a strange sound coming from it. Then, a sudden flash of light came from the object, and a hatch opened. As the witnesses looked on in amazement, a strange humanoid creature looked out at them for several seconds, before the hatch closed and the object rose into the air once more, disappearing into the skies. Four nights later, early on the morning of December 8th, on Caserta, a farmer named Giovanni Aquilante who was a hundred years old at the time, left his home in order to go about his chores, something he did daily. However, on this day, he failed to return, resulting in two of his sons and another family member 
going out to search for him. After failing to locate Giovanni, they set out for home. However, as they came to a low wall, they noticed two strange-looking entities with, quote, phosphorescent eyes. After initially stopping dead in their tracks, one of the men approached the wall. To his shock, the strange entities had seemingly vanished into thin air. They returned home perplexed and even more worried about their missing hundred-year-old father. Then, the account took another strange twist. At 6 a.m. the following morning, their father walked through the door. For the first day of his return, he was largely unresponsive and clearly in shock. To the confusion of his sons, they couldn't understand how he had remained completely dry given that it had rained heavily over the previous two days. Eventually, though, he spoke of what had happened. According to Giovanni, as he was walking past the old railroad bridge, two dwarf-like creatures appeared out of nowhere. He would describe them as having suits that were all the colors of the rainbow. These two small creatures reached for his hand and lifted him skyward. The next thing Giovanni realized, he was standing outside his house, with the two dwarves standing with him, as if they had returned him home. They then disappeared into thin air, and he walked into the house, confused and frightened at what had just happened. His sons would state that their father remained in such a frightened state for the rest of his life, and their father thought they might come back to get him. Just before midnight on October 18th, in Como, a 37-year-old salesman, Renzo Puginia, was returning home after a night at the movies. As he brought his car to a stop outside his home, he noticed a soft glow lighting up the area around which he had originally believed to be from the moon. He began his way up the stairs leading to his apartment. As he neared the top, he noticed a strange-looking creature. He estimated that it was a little over four feet tall and seemed to be surrounded by a soft, warm light and appeared to be wearing some sort of armor. The creature also had a helmet on its head that contained a transparent visor. It wore a strange metallic-like pair of coveralls that appeared to have metallic scales on it. He also noticed several pipes or tubes come from the creature's back. When he followed the pipes, they appeared to connect to a luminous disc that was approximately the same size as a bicycle wheel. As discreetly as he could, he continued to climb up the stairs. However, after he had taken several more steps, the creature began to turn around to face him. The witness recalled how the figure turned his head as if manipulated by a mechanism. The next thing he knew, the creature was pointing a flashlight-like device directly at him. As soon as the light hit him, he realized he was immediately paralyzed. He could still see, however, and noticed several more details of the creature's face. He recalled, for example, that the creature's forehead was almost non-existent, while its eyes were much larger than normal and almond-shaped. He also described the color of its skin as being olive. 
Within a few moments, Renzo regained the movement in his limbs and began moving toward the creature, shouting out the word, Mars, in reference to the creature being an alien from Mars. Whether this offensive display worked or not, the creature had a grimaced look on its face and rose into the air, flew away into the cover of the nearby trees. As it did so, a soft buzzing sound was heard, as if the flight was made possible by some kind of engine or device. Within moments, the creature had disappeared out of sight. Renzo estimated the entire episode lasted no longer than several minutes. He ran inside his apartment, waking his wife. Due to the state he was in, according to press reports, he was in such shock that he remained in bed for several days after the incident. Also of interest was an apparent unknown substance found outside the building where the creature had been seen. It was said to be odorless, dry, and greaseless. On the morning of October 21st, in Melito, a local man was walking in a field at around 8 a.m. when he heard a sudden rustling noise nearby. As he looked around trying to locate the source of the sound, he noticed a bizarre aerial vehicle descend and land a short distance from him. He remained where he was for several moments before deciding to get a little closer to the object. When he did, he noticed how it gave off a bronze-green ray of light. Even more concerning was the humanoid pilot that emerged from the craft a moment later. At this point, the witness realized that he couldn't move as the pilot was heading toward him. Only the sound of a dog barking in the distance caused the humanoid to halt his advance and head back inside the craft. The craft then rose into the air and took off, disappearing into the morning sky. According to another report in Jacques Vallée's passport to Magonia, at around 2 p.m. on October 27th, in Cialica Alta, a local resident, Fabrizio Bruno, reported seeing an object in a field that was giving a blinding glare. It appeared to be transparent and hovered several feet off the ground. He also recalled hearing a hissing sound that he assumed came from the object. He was unable to move due to his amazement, only coming back to his senses when the object began to rise into the air and made its way off into the distance. In Padova, at around 9 p.m. on October 28th, an egg-shaped object was witnessed by three people. The strange craft was hovering a short distance above some nearby trees, before it then shone a strange beam at one of the houses. It eventually took off into the distance. One of the witnesses would claim to have suffered from irritated eyes for several days after the sighting. There is an alarming amount of UFO encounters with strange humanoids during the same time as the Rosalotti incident. And this is just those that occurred in Italy toward the end of 1954. 
So just what was taking place in Italy at the time? And what was the reason for these encounters? Why did certain countries, such as Italy, experience more encounters than others? Were they part of some sort of fact-finding mission of some kind or general reconnaissance? Or was this some sort of mass hysteria plaguing the country, spawned by stories in the news of Rosa's encounter? There is much speculation and many questions regarding the Rosalati case and the countless other sightings around Italy during the final months of 1954. It remains, however, one of the most intriguing cases in one of the most bizarre and active waves in UFO history. Rosa Lottie would stick to her story until her dying day, and although she never had answers to what happened, there was one thing she hoped for the strange little men. I don't know who the strange men were or why they were there that day, but I do hope they enjoyed the flowers. This episode was researched and co-written by Marcus Loth. To learn more, visit ufoinsight.com. Check out the brand new Summer in the Skies coffee roast created by Alien Coffee Bean. To get yours, visit aliencoffeebean.com and use promo code SUMMERSKIES10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's aliencoffeebean.com. We're on Twitter at Summer Skies, Instagram at Summer Skies Pod, and be sure to subscribe to our very active YouTube channel for exclusive content and video versions of most of our audio episodes. All our links are in the show notes, along with a link to the official Summer in the Skies store with exclusive merch. Thank you, as always, for listening. And remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.